very quick recap, um, the book of Ephesus. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. If you recall, the first, it's uh, six chapters. The first three chapters, the first half of the book is Paul explaining how the church has been created through God. And it is the fulfillment of a full covenant of believers, those who were Jews, who were the original chosen people of God, and then the adoption of the Gentiles into the church. So now you have a single body, which there is no division between Jew, Gentile. The second half of the church or the second half of the book, excuse me, chapters four through six, which uh, where we're at and have been over the last couple of weeks, speaks to now that we have this church and now that we have this position with God, how then shall we live? And uh, you've heard uh, Tom Lacey and uh, Pastor Moses over the past couple of weeks in chapters four and five talking about elements of how we are to live. And so today is a continuation of that. Uh, today's passage uh, will cover chapter 5, verse 21, through chapter 6, verse 9. So there's a, a lot here. But uh, before I dig into that, I just want to lay out what I see as the main points that we want to walk away with today. The essence of our overall sacrifice, and we just sang it in the last uh, song, of surrendering all. And this is about submission. And the points that I'm hopeful you walk away with today are these three, is that one, submission is a command of God. Secondarily, submission is a choice. It's volitional. It is a choice. It is a command, but it is still a choice. And then lastly, that submission is to be done with sincerity. Uh, today, again, let's go to today's passage, and uh, I will read it. It's a, little bit, it's a little bit long. If you have your Bibles, we'll open up to chapter 5, verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that, he, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his wife and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. 
However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling and with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not, the, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will from the heart, the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. (sighs) Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Your word is so rich and so layered and so deep. We just pray that our hearts would be open now to hear what you have to say, how your word has been delivered to us, and how we can take it and go forward in displaying you throughout throughout how we live in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Bear with me one second here. Yeah, we need this. Our last song spoke about surrender, and as I pointed a little bit earlier as a part of the sermon, the focus here is on submission. And what is submission? It's often misinterpreted these days um, in terms of equating that with obedience, and that is inaccurate. If we go to the ancient Greek, this will be the extent of the Greek that I know. But uh, the ancient Greek word is hupotasso. And that, me- that word means to yield. Okay? It means to defer. Similar to uh, if you had something wrong in your house and you called a tradesman to come over to do something, you would defer to that ex- expertise. Okay? So it's deferral. Obedience the ancient Greek is hupakoi, and that means uh, the following of a command. So in the ancient Greek in which this was originally written, the word is hupotasso, which again is to yield or to defer. So that is what submission is in God's word, but if we were to take it into today's, word, today's common parlance and today's culture, it's got a negative connotation. And we think of that, uh, we probably think of that as being more obedient. If I submit, that means I have to obey. And why the negative connotation? And I would submit to you that basically we've moved on from being spiritually driven, many cases, even in the church, to being culturally driven, okay? This idea of submitting seems to be, oh, you're giving up your rights, or, you know, 
why should you defer to somebody? You are, you are equal to that person. Well, that's a distorted, uh, it's a distorted perception, and it takes this whole priority, this hyper-focus on equality to an extreme, which is not meant, at least from God's word. In this case, we are equal, each one of us, in God's eyes, but we are not equal in authority. That lack of, it's not in even a lack of uh, equality of, of authority, but it is a difference in order. And I want to emphasize that. And this order, this order, this idea about there being an order in authority, it also conflicts with our individual, our sin nature, if we're to be truthful. Uh, we, you know, why, again, why should I defer? I'm equal in whatever stature and everything to this person. There's no reason I should defer. But that is not what is meant in this passage. It's not what God's word calls out for us. The spirit is compelling believers, as Paul writes, as to elevate others as more important than themselves. And we demonstrate that in our relationships. We act as Jesus in demonstrating self-sacrifice. And the essence of that sacrifice is submission. So that's a, a little bit brief uh, primer to get us going here. Verse 20, 521, submit to others out of reverence to Christ. That is our motivation for being submissive. And it should cover the whole range of our relationships from the most intimate of relationships to those that are merely transactional. And we obviously start here with the marriage relationship, which um, in terms of God's creation is the most intimate of relationships. And, and it goes through as we go through the rest of the verses uh, today to those that are merely transactional. We start with husband and wife, we go to children parent, we go to worker employer. Okay, so you've got the range of relationships that you're engaged in or will, will touch at uh, uh, every day in your life or at some portion of your life. You're at different, uh, different levels of those relationships. But submission is key here, and it's, it's the motivation to cover those relationships, our reverence to Christ. In Galatians 6.10... We have this, Paul has also written this to the church of Galatia a little bit earlier. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. He's speaking to us as believers. We are to do good. We are to defer to others, to elevate them, to think of them as more as more worthy than we are, not in value, but in terms of order, depending on the position that we're in. Verses 22 to 24. Okay, here we go. 
Wives, submit to your husbands. Um, not much more to say than that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I was looking for a shield to bring with me, but uh, I was not able to find that. Um, but uh, again, wives submit to your husbands as, but as to the Lord. Again, um, Pastor Moses and I were just sharing some notes before, and the where our culture stands right now and has been for the last uh, number of years now. This hyper, um, a hyper focus on for want of a better term, feminism, and uh, the women can do everything the man can do, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Obviously, a woman can have the very same abilities, and in, depending on where you are, from workplace or you know, other civic organizations or things like that, they can have you know, similar authority. But in the marriage relationship, as is defined and created by God, the man has been given the primary responsibility to lead. This is not an issue of value. This is an issue of order. Two people vying for leadership um, just doesn't work out well, as uh, we were also sharing up. Where somewhere, everywhere, anywhere you've got two heads, you've got a monster. So. There needs to be order. Ultimately, you know, submission is honoring Christ and through that obedience, and it shows a display of respect. It doesn't mean that the husband is automatically wise or right all the time. Amen? <laughs> okay. <laughs> just checking. Just checking. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, he bears the prime responsibility for leading his home. It is what God has put in place for order, again. I, I want to emphasize that submission is the humble recognition of God's ordering of society. It is not an expression of value before God. If we refer to, um, let's see, uh, I missed that. I'm sorry. Uh, we've already referred to Galatians 6.10, excuse me. Moving right on, if we go verses 5 through 28, we've talked about the wife is to submit, okay, as the, as the husband is the head of the home, of the body. But immediately, just as it's laid out what the woman's responsibility is in the marriage relationship. It immediately follows that the man has a responsibility that is at the same level if, or even greater. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, so that she might be holy without blemish, and in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. So, God's responsibility assigned to the man is immediately sent out, okay? 
The woman's counsel is valid, should be taken into account, but at the end of the day, the ultimate decision is based, is, is given to the man, and it's based on what is in God's interest and in the best interest of that union, not in the best interest of what is in the husband's best interest or by himself or the wife's best interest by herself, but what's in the best interest of that union. One interesting thing, if you have verse 25, husbands love your wives, and then he goes down and gives himself up for her, and then in verse 28, it's repeated, probably because men tend to be a little bit thicker uh, than getting some of these messages out there. But again, we want to emphasize the fact that the man has responsibility here. God created man first and ultimately gave him responsibility. Back to the beginning of the word in Genesis chapter 2, uh, verses 15 through 17. I don't have that here. Let me read that to you. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat of it you will surely die. Now we know what went on subsequently, but again, God has created man, and he immediately gives him a task and gives him responsibility for the realm that he is in. And that has extended its way here into the New Testament, into the relationship. It defines how he's to lead. He is to, and it gives the practical rationale. The woman should follow his leadership beyond the spiritual command, and that is because he is willing to give up his life for her. And as the point goes, if he's willing to give up his life for her, if he's willing to die for her, shouldn't he be willing to live for her? We are going to move uh, into verses 29 through 33. And again, it's just another re-emphasis of the principle here. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, as I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects his, her husband. This is a symbiotic relationship. It's mutual. The respect, the respect is given. The love and the care and the sacrifice work together. This is what builds the relationship. This is what builds the marriage relationship. It builds any relationship of any value. You show respect for um, the cashier at, uh, at the checkout at the grocery store or uh, the Amazon delivery driver. You show respect, you know, and that respect comes back, all right? As believers, we are to love and respect and submit to one another. 
This is a relationship that builds and it's what helps mature. It helps us grow. It helps the relationship grow. It helps the relationship to gather a foundation that is unshakable. And it helps us to grow in our walk with Christ. I want to emphasize again, this talks a lot in this first section about marriage and uh, uh, there can be that instance, well, I'm not married, so maybe this doesn't apply to me. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. If you are in any relationship of any significance, with any level of depth and intimacy, even from a, just a general family relationship level, that respect and given to that other person, thinking of them greater than yourselves is what is going to help maintain that relationship over time. We've heard the wife's responsibility, we've heard the man's responsibility, and at the end of this, we see everybody loves themselves. Whether, we out, whether out there you know, banging the drum over it, we tend to love ourselves. We tend to take care of ourselves. We should be willing to take care of others in the same manner. That is our responsibility. Ultimately here, with what is called out for the husband, when the man does not own up to his responsibility, the relationship fall, falters, the mar marriage falters. If we go back to Genesis 3, what happens when the man has not owed up to responsibility? Yes, the serpent deceived Eve, she ate, and then we get the sequence of God walking through the garden, Adam, where are you? You know, I hid because I was naked, and da 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 da. Who told you you were naked? Um, well, the woman you gave me. <laughs> no. No, you didn't own up to your responsibility of providing the appropriate level of leadership and clarification of the commands that God had given you. And hence, it was easier for her to be deceived, even though we all, hey, we're still born with sin nature. With him not owning up to his responsibility, this led to ultimately the fall. Okay. Moving, moving on to chapter 6, we go into uh, the children and their responsibility. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, fairly clear here, I think. Um, one of the things that you see a little bit different here, while we talked about the wife having a command to submit earlier, here, the slight difference, children are given the command to obey. 
the hoop, the hoopakoi in the ancient Greek, and you say, well, well, why was it submission before and its command here? It doesn't specifically lay that out, but I think it's fairly clear to anyone who is an adult or an, is a parent. A child has not reached an age of experience, of knowledge, to where they can establish reason for which they can move on in their lives. Until that is well established, it is better for their growth, their development, and their safety that they obey what it is their father, their father communicates to them. I think that that's fairly clear. I think that uh, we would all probably point to those things in our lives where, you know, we were simply told to do something and, and sort of you did it because, uh, um, because of consequences. Now, that isn't, that isn't the goal here in terms of the instruction for uh, parents. They are to share God's word. They are to share the reason that they're instructing in a certain way, but the child is still there and his or her responsibility is to obey what that parent's instruction is. And the result there is significant, that it, you, it will go well with you and you may live long in the land. It takes a while for youth to come to that knowledge, but as they're trained through proper leadership from their father, they will get there. And that is the, the heavy responsibility on a parent. Um, I mean, those of us who are parents, you know, we can look at ourselves and say, well, did I do a good job with that? Or how well did I do that? Um, hopefully, hopefully the, the scales balance very heavily that you've done the right thing, at least in communicating what a child should be doing, how they should be living, how they should uh, carry themselves. One of the other things that is very significant here is that element of honor. There's obedience, but there's also honor. And I think that, um, I know I, I you know, spent a lot of time thinking about that uh, as I was preparing for this, is that this idea of honor is something that's been lost, I think, often in society. I mean, I... I look around and I think some of you are probably in, in the same, my, my, age, my age range, and, uh, and how many of you were raised uh, in a home where your parents communicated to you, don't you go out there doing anything that's going to bring honor, dishonor or disfavor on this household? You know, many of you, I, I know I did, and... Uh, and I, and I think of that, uh, I thought of it a lot over the last uh, couple days in preparing for this. I know that when I uh, first went to college, I went on a work-study program. And uh, it was such that I went to school for three months, and I came home and worked in a General Motors factory for three months. And it just rotated like that for five years. And in that factory, my dad worked. My dad was a supervisor in one of the areas of that factory. And, 
it was, it was really funny, and uh, my dad wasn't a Christian, and I was not a Christian at the time, uh, but at the same time, I had it instilled in me that how I behaved when I was in that plant was something that reflected on my dad. And, and I was very conscious of not wanting to do anything that, was, uh, that would reflect negative on, negatively on him. He was thought of well in the plant, and so, um, so that was something that I was very conscious of, and, and I think that that was something that was an outgrowth of some of the teaching that I had from my parents, even though even though I uh, did not necessarily grow up in a Christian household at the time. Again, this idea of honor, it's another level. It's a level of respect and regard for the people giving you the instruction that they've given you. And I think that's very, very significant. It's something that, as I say, I think we've lost it a lot necessarily with how our culture has evolved, but... It certainly wouldn't hurt in terms of gaining back a lot more of that emphasis on honoring your father and your mother. And obviously, and that from, is from the beginning of Scripture, if you go back to Exodus 20 and the fifth commandment. Next, uh, I am going to go on to bond servants and bond servants or slaves, and masters. Um, I will tell you the, I, the depth of getting into this slave master thing is something that is well beyond my pay grade and uh, well beyond time for us to go through today. But I, I took it away from bond servant and slave and master to worker employer, worker employer. Um, most of us are or at some point in time have been in that relationship or in that relationship. And once again, there is an element of order to be, to be followed here. I will be honest with you and if you, you probably all are being honest with yourselves, how many times have you been in a work situation where your boss has you doing something, you're like, are you kidding me? You know, you know, are you brain dead? Are you, you know, types of things. I mean, not, not attitudes and responses we should have, but we've always, we've all had those instances where our employer has us doing something or has not necessarily something uh, nefarious or bad or untoward, but just something that doesn't seem to make sense. And you're sort of like, well, I know better. I know better than that. But no, that's not the call. That is not the call. You are to follow the authority given to you, okay? Hopefully, it's not something that involves, you know, again, illegality or safety issues or things like that. But if it is just a straight order, you know, you can share, maybe you can share how you don't really think that that's the best thing. But again, at the end of the day, you are called to submit. That is, 
that is what we're to do as believers. It's, it's fairly straightforward from that perspective. Um, we don't necessarily like it, but I think that that's a, that's a really, really good place where we need to examine ourselves as believers. We need to say, the word says this, I am to submit. Am I trying to promote myself, elevate myself above this? Or am I willing to stand in the straightforward structure of authority? The ideal um, is that we submit. And our submission is not one that is assent or mandatory on the other person doing the same thing. That's another thing to point out here. While we're hopeful, while we're hopeful that if I submit to someone and they, they would submit to me, there would be that mutuality, that respect. We would be hopeful of that. But whether that exists or, whether, or not, we are to hold up our end of the bargain, period. We are to submit. Uh, you know, my friend uh, Bob uh, Kapchar, who worked in the fire department, you know, a certain level. There's, there's order there. There's order. There's people who have different levels of responsibility. You obey. That's, that's the structure. That is just the way it is. It's, it's order. It's safety. It's, it's uh, for efficiency. And again, it establishes and reinforces the foundation by which a, string, a strong relationship is forged. One of the things that I pointed out uh, at the beginning of these comments is that submission is volitional. And um, again, there is a command by God to submit, but again, we have our own free will. And whether or not we're going to obey, whether or not we're going to submit, it is a personal choice. And it's a choice we need to make. And I just wanted to point that out and how we fulfill our responsibilities. One other point that I wanted to emphasize out of the book of Gal Galatians here is we need to be clear on how we fulfill our responsibility. Not only are we to submit, but we are to submit with an attitude of sincerity. We do a lot of things sometimes. We fulfill what we think we're, we're fulfilling a role or, or some, an instruction we've been given, but we do it with grumbling. We do it with a bad attitude. We do it and we just say, okay, I'll do it, you know. And, and ultimately, when you're doing that, you may, you may think you're doing it, but you're not doing it to the best of your ability. You're not doing it uh, out of a good conscience, and this does not honor God. We are who are believers. We're, we're at a higher level, believe it or not. We're so, not at a higher level in our, in our value to God, but a higher level of expectation is, is, is out of us, is to be coming from us. We're to be, not to just go through the motions. We're to be doing things because God has instructed and it honors God when we do it his way. So you can submit 
you can obey authority, but if you're doing it grumbling, if you're doing it without any sincerity, it's not, it's not honoring God. And if we're not honoring God, why are we doing it? What God has established in creation, culture can destroy it. It can break it down, you know, on a day-to-day basis, but it really isn't something that ultimately will be destroyed in God's eyes. God's ultimate order is going to prevail. I want to emphasize that submission is God's command. It shows obedience and demonstrates the believer's willingness to elevate others above themselves and to consider others equal, equal uh, to you and God, but above you in terms of your level of willing to sacrifice for them. It's volitional, okay? It is our own choice to do it, and it does not depend on the other party reciprocating, okay? And it's to be done with sincerity. Uh, If you think about it, I mean, Christ submitted, he submitted to his earthly parents. He submitted to his disciples. He submitted to the authorities. And ultimately, he submitted to God. That is to be our model. If I don't, again, I don't have it here, but if I go to Luke 22, 42, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That It's our example of submission. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you 